tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live.
evening, everyone, and welcome to another service of today's testimony of God's glory. I'm particularly excited about tonight's service because God has been revealing to me the transformations that have been taking place in the lives of people through our testimonies and how He has always been involved in our lives and how He always us out of situations which we thought would seem to never, never have come to an end, but God always gives us the strength to get through those situations. So tonight, I am so excited to introduce our speaker, which is none other than a powerful man of God, gives his all to God, Pastor Tillman Shannon. Pastor Tillman Shannon is a native of Cab County and is married to Pastor Cassandra Shannon. In December 2008, Pastor Shannon had the privilege to become God-ordered during his introductory sermon to become a minister to end the gospel and was licensed as an elder in October of 2009. In May of 2009, Pastor Shannon graduated from Georgia Southern University with a Bachelor of Arts in English. October 25, 2014, Pastor Shannon, along with his wife, were ordained to the level of pastorship, and they both served as assistant pastors for Holy Calvary MRF Church for the past two years. Currently, Pastor Tillman Shannon and Pastor Sandra Shannon are establishing a church ministry in Bishop, Georgia called Tabernacle of Praise Worship Center, or POP, P-O-P. The purpose of the ministry is to equip, encourage, and empower believers to walk in the fullness of God's love and promises thereof. Something good is always happening at the top. Amen? Pastor Tillman Shannon is a prophetic voice in the land preparing the way of the Lord. Pastor Shannon lives by Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, which says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Amen. Let us go to the throne of grace. Father God, as we come before you now, we come with as humble as we know how, Lord God. Lord, we ask that you be in the midst of each and every home right now that is on the line, Lord. Lord, let your anointing flow heavily on your speaker on tonight, Lord. Lord God, may a prophetic word come across for each and every person, Lord God, that is here. Lord God, we ask that your will be done right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Shannon, it's over to you. Good fighting evening, Greetings. Greetings, peace and blessings to every individual on this particular call and entitled Today's Testimony of God's Glory. 
My name is Pastor Tillman Shannon from Tabernacle of Praise Worship Center. Something good is always happening at the top. It's always a pleasure when I can come, when I can comfortably um, convey um, some of my testimony because how many people on this particular call are aware of the, that our testimony gives life to other people or gives life to the particular believer? Um, and how do I know this? In Revelation 12 and 11, and I, this is not my message, this is not the testimony, but I just wanted to kind of, this, this really just jumped out at me. In Revelation 12 and 11, the Bible declares, and they overcame him, which was the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Within the church community, we know that that's a common idiom. It's a common overused phrase that we use in the actual church body. Um, but the one thing that I'm always proud of myself in is being able to uh, respond with idioms and over overused um, phrases that we sometimes use like God is good by having revelation with it. And so when you, you break that, that down even of, of, of talking about the idea of a testimony, um, we, we, we see that in Revelation 12 and 11, like I just said, the Apostle John or John the Revelator speaks about two very powerful and essential things that helps the believer maintain longevity within salvation. Um, one is the blood, and then the second one is the word. And how do I know? The blood of the Lamb that is mentioned in Revelation 12 and 11 is essential because it's a token of ransom in which Jesus gave himself in order for us to be redeemed back to God by the hands of, uh, um, from the hands of Satan and his pollution that he places in, in the believer's ears. But also um, the idea of the blood um, that Jesus uh, spilled out on, the, on Calvary, uh, it brings some type of synergy. Um, synergy is defined as combining elements that are greater in, together than individuals. So when I have synergy, that means that I try to combine chemicals or combine elements that um, by themselves, is they may, they may be strong, but not as strong as if I put them together. And, and the reason why I say that is because um, the, the synergy um, helps us to be able to come, become greater because of who we are connected to. Or in other words, like the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, meaning that greater is the, the one who died on that cross that is inside of us that is running through our very veins that makes us greater against the very enemy. And then also, like I said, the, the second essential after the blood was the word. In Hebrews 4 and 12, it says that, uh, that the, 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 the word is alive, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Therefore, our testimony in the form of the word becomes our weapon against the advice of the, the, the advice of the doubter and naysayers in our past, and the mistakes in our past, and also condemnation that tries to creep in our future. That is such, that is such a blessing to me um, because it just helps me to understand I, um, that, that, that we overcome just because of the idea of the blood and the word. And so that, that's, not my, that's not my testimony, not my message right now, but I just was so excited about the breakdown of that because I was even excited about um, being able to give my testimony and to see exactly what, how, how powerful a testimony is. But before I go into my testimony, I want to go ahead and do proper protocol because I do know protocol. Um, so let me go ahead and first give an honor to God who is the head of my life, who I live, breathe, and have my very being in. Um, the second thing is that I want to give honor to the beautiful, my beautiful wife, my prayer warrior, my friend, my boo, uh, my fellow co-laborer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Pastor Cassandra Shannon. Also, I could not forget the person that has given the avenue for all of us to be able to, um, to assemble together. 
our friend that we've known for for quite a time for quite uh, some time now, Evangelist Stephanie Kills and Impact Ministries. Um, Evangelist Kills and his and her family have helped my wife and and I so tremendously in ministry by just pushing us and even helping us to be even to promote. And so we 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 found it a, a, a honor um, and even elated when we can when able to come and do anything for her um, because we know that what she puts out there is is, is to help believers or to help non-believers to be able to be stronger in God and stronger um, in, in, in what God has for their life. So uh, we're after the protocol, let me go ahead and um, go into a word of prayer, and then we're going to go ahead and let me go ahead and share my testimony as we embark upon this particular journey. So let us go to the throne of grace. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for being who you are. We magnify you, Father, that you're doing in our lives, oh, Father God. We pray, oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that we overcome, oh, Father God, that somebody on this call will overcome, oh, God, about what is said about my life, oh, Father. I know, Father God, that by myself alone, oh, God, I have nothing to say. But, God, with your help, oh, Father God, help us oh, and help me, oh, Father God, to go through the journey of my life, the journey of the things that have happened in my life to be able to help some believer or non-believer to be able to know that, that, that you are God that you still love us, and that you still care enough for us to be able to fulfill purpose and potential in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Holy, precious name we pray. Amen, and thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going through the protocol. I'm in, um, if you have your Bibles, whether it's paperback or electronic, I know that some people are um, technologically sound. I'm an I'm a old phobia. I like the idea of the, the Word of God, the, the, the paper on my, on my hands and my fingers to be able, so I can know that it's real. But, but, but by, no, by no means, am I, if you have a phone or you have an iPad, you can um, be able to turn to 1 Samuel, the third chapter. That's what I mean right now. 1 Samuel, the third chapter, if you have your Bible. 1 Samuel, the third chapter. 1 Samuel, the third chapter. As you turn into your Bible, of course, quite naturally, I can't be able to hear you, but um, I wanted to be able to put this thematic um, um, preference out here or even a theme or a title uh, for this testimony on tonight. I know that's kind of unheard of because most people just say their testimony, but uh, I think this theme is going to be fitting to help, to help you all just hear my testimony to be able to know exactly which vein I'm going into. And so if I had to entitle this particular, um, this particular testimony that I'm about to release is um, Longing for a Voice. Um, if, you, if you're a note taker, Longing for a, vo- a Voice. So let us go to the Word of God. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the Word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. 
Then Eli proceeded, the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be. If he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at other um, times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. May God have a blessing to the reading of his very holy word. If I had to be able to break down my testimony, this is how God gave it to me, and so I'm going to release it to you as God gave it to me. Um, God began to speak to me, and, I, and, I, and it was so amazing because sometimes, I, and I know that we have found, found ourselves like this before, so many times um, we, we know we have a strong and powerful testimony, um, but sometimes as we gradually grow in God, we know what God has done for us, but Sometimes uh, we get, we're not able to get all of it out, the testimony that God has done for us. I mean, because even, even once we get saved, even once we get, um, get, get in a place in the knowledge of God, we still, um, we still are, are developing the testimony even as God continues to bless us. But um, sometimes, and I was even finding myself doing this a couple of days ago, sometimes when we have to go back into um, some, some of us, and it may not all be all, our dark past. Um, we have to be reminded and sometimes get choked up that God is amazing. Um, God is so awesome. He's so matchless. And when, he, when we thought that we wanted to give up on our own stuff, God steps in and he just does the miraculous to be able to pick us up and continue to let us go on in him. And so he, 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 as I was going into my, 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 my testimony and, and my past and the things that have happened to me, God allowed me to break my, my testimony up. If, if, if you don't mind, I, I want to kind of do it like this, uh, to break up my testimony into three sections. Um, it's going to be real quick to the point, but I wanted to break it up into three sections according to what the different things that have happened in my life. And I also, and anybody that knows me know that I like to put the word of God on it because um, that's the very thing that kept me. That's the very thing that delivered me. That's the very thing that set me free when I came into the knowledge of God. It wasn't someone laying hands on me. It wasn't um, somebody praying for me in a particular sense. It was me being able to get into that word and letting that word minister to me that I could be able to know and understand that it, it, it was greater, um, uh, greater things that was going to happen for me as I continue to study the Word of God. And so, like I said, my testimony, I'm going to break it up into three parts. And so if you bear, me, bear with me, I could be able to go through the three parts. The first part, the first part of my testimony, I entitled it Church Hurt. Um, for those that may want to write this down, Church Hurt. And I'll go ahead and give you the ages um, of that first section, Church Hurt, um, it's from ages 3 to 12. Now, before I go into my actual testimony, let me go and let me, let me bring the word of God in it first. And, and 1 Samuel, um, the third chapter, the first and the third verse, the Bible says that the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and Eli's eyes had become dim. We said in 1 Samuel, the third chapter, the first through the second verse. The first thing that really, um, that really God began to minister me about, even with this passage of Scripture, was Samuel was 12 years of age. And under Eli's direction and instruction, Samuel was taught the different acts of service that were supposed to be performed in the tabernacle of God. But few teaching and instructions was given about spiritual things um, by Eli because, one, Eli was old. 
Um, secondly, Eli had sons that were doing bad deeds and, and, and sinning all throughout the land. And then the third thing was the, the, the actual time period that was going on when, when Samuel was born. He was born in, 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 one, in 1150 B.C. And during that time um, that Samuel was born, the Philistines had reconquered the Israelites. And they established vassals or lords that made the Israelites destroy destroyed mostly all of Moses' scrolls. So in language terms, during the time that, that Samuel was born, the, 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 the Philistines, some of the greatest enemies of the Israelites, they came in and reconquered the Israelites again. And once they, once they conquered the Israelites, the, the people of God, they then uh, put lords or, or, or individuals that were over a particular area, and their main job was to make sure that anything that dealt with the, the God of, of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the, the, the God that Moses spoke to, could, could not and shall not be read. Um, and so they made them burn the, the scrolls. They made them burn the, the books, per se. They made them burn the pieces of writing dealing with the idea of the Ten Commandments or even the Pentateuch or, or anything as it relates to the laws of Moses. And so uh, the, 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 we see that uh, Samuel didn't even have a chance. Samuel didn't even have a chance to be able to know of God because there was not enough evidence. One, his mentor was old. And he, and he knew enough, but he was old, too old and had not enough strength to be able to break down to Samuel everything about the, uh, the, the, the word of God or God himself. And then, and then the successors of Eli or the successors of, uh, of, his, uh, of Samuel's mentor, they were doing evil deeds. And then also there was a scarcity of the word of God. So then the Bible says that the, that the, that the word was precious. It was scarce. It, it, it was not even available as, as needed. And so Samuel, within his, his young self, didn't know anything else. He was just serving. He was serving in the house of God. He was serving. He was, he was doing whatever Eli told him as it relates to routinely doing everything in church. But he was not developing a relationship. One thing about it is when you develop a relationship with someone, that means you know them intimately. That means you know their characteristics. You know everything about them. And so Samuel being a, a, a mighty, uh, going to be one day a mighty prophet and a mighty seer and a mighty uh, prophet priest, he, uh, at that particular time when he was younger, did not have enough sustenance of God to be able to develop a relationship. Um, he was looking to Eli to be his, his father-like figure, being his mentor, but he, did, did, he, he, he couldn't get everything out of Eli because of the circumstance and situation that was going, uh, going at hand. And so I said, okay, God, uh, you got you to gotta break it down a little bit more. And so then when I went into 1 Samuel, the third chapter, the third verse, it says, before the lamp of God went out in the temple, Samuel, Samuel was located where the ark of, of God was. That was very, very important. The first part, like I told you, Samuel was not able to get the word of God enough to be able to have that intimate relationship with God. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel, the third chapter, the third verse, it says, before the lamp of God went out in the temple, Samuel was located where the ark of God was. Uh, the reason why that's a, a blessing was because Samuel was able to, 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 to experience this miraculous occurrence. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what the miraculous occurrence was. In the late night hours of the night, um, since the lamp was, on, was lit 
at a certain time of the night, and it was going to go through all the way into the morning, meaning that whenever the, the, the priest, whenever um, the individual that served into the tabernacle or the temple, when they, when they lit the lamp, they lit the lamp at a certain time at night, and it had to go through all the way out into the next morning. And so we know that it was the wee hours of the night that, that, that this miraculous thing had happened. And so um, the, the, the geographical location of where Samuel was was very, very important because he was right next of the most holy place. He was right next to where the presence of God was. He was right next to where the Ark of the Covenant, which is the representation of the presence of God. He was right next to it, and he heard something miraculous. He heard a voice. Now, now I go back to what I said before. Samuel didn't know anything about God. He he, he knew. Uh, uh, well, let me let me rephrase that. He knew about him, but he didn't have an intimate relationship with him. And so when Samuel heard this voice, he didn't know what to, he didn't know what to expect. He didn't know what happened, how it happened, when it happened. All he did was just say, "Okay, there there's something that's talking to me, and I don't know exactly what it was." And so when he heard the voice, the funny thing about it was the voice that he heard, it sounded like Eli. And so that is the reason why, even if you go further in the scripture, that Samuel was, 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 was calling uh, for Eli or even responding the way that he did because God's voice at that time sounded like Eli. So let me go in my testimony as I broke down the word of God. I, I, I'm going to put this disclaimer out here right now. Um, there is never a pamphlet or even a book on how to be a good parent. You just learn through trial and error, but the child should be appreciative. Every child, um, even some children that may be on this phone, the child should be appreciative whether the parent is good or bad because their, their, their parent could have gave them up for adoption or they could have gave them up for abortion. Uh, and so because, the parent, because our parents um, was able to give us life, we should be appreciative. I had to put that disclaimer out there before I go through my testimony because some parts deal with the idea of my family. But I put this out there that, that children, it doesn't matter because there is no blueprint, there is no booklet, there is no pamphlet on how to be a good parent. But uh, one thing about it, the child must be appreciative that the parent, at least, eat good or bad, was able to give them life and allow their life not to be taken from before they even was born. And so I appreciate my parents. I appreciate all that they've done, good and bad or indifferent, because uh, it, it, it's the idea of um, they, could, they gave me life. Um, and and if, if nothing else to shout about, if nothing else to praise about, I'm excited because of that, because if not, I wouldn't be 30 years old stand, uh, uh, on this phone right now being able to talk to you. So I wanted to put a disclaimer out there. So the first thing, the first phase, was church hurts, okay, and I'm going to explain why. My first 12 years on the earth were typical. I was a shy kid. I didn't have many friends because I chose to be very reclusive and an extreme loner. One reason I say to myself is because I always had a different perspective than everyone had uh, about different situations. Uh, in addition, I was very impulsive. Therefore, I would talk about anything that came to my mind, and sometimes what I would convey or what I would say would be very weird from reality. 
So people didn't really want to be around me. Kids didn't really want to be around me um, because I was considered the weird kid. Um, because uh, whatever came to my mind, I was I, I, I was fed out of my mouth. Uh, me and my wife, we learned about it sometime. And, and even, you know, how many people know that sometimes a learned behavior, a learned condition, you still have to be able to work on yourself. Uh, and, this, and this is beside the fact of God because some things God is not going to come down himself and come and do. Sometimes he said, okay, I'm giving it to you to notice the thorn in your side that bothers you, and you have to be able to continue to work this thing out and work out the kinks. I tell people all the time that salvation is a process, but getting saved is just merely a step. When we go and we say the salvation prayer, we are basically just giving a step or making a commitment to God that, Lord, I want to be better and I want to, I want to do your will. But when you go, when, after you get saved and after you go through the sinner's prayer, salvation is constant process until the day that God takes you back home. And so I, I was a shy kid. I was a shy kid. I, I was very impulsive. I said whatever came to my mind. But one thing about it is I had a precise and I had a vivid imagination. I, I played by myself because no one could convince me of the, that the things that I saw that no one else had seen or, or was not real people or, or the people that I made up were, were, were not real people. And, and, I, and I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. I wasn't schizophrenic. Um, I, I wasn't just seeing things. I was, but nobody could convince me with my, my my vivid imagination, with my my very 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 high imagination that the things that I, the people that I made up, or the the things that I seen with my own two eyes, that I was not seeing it. And so I, I, I say typically to myself because I didn't like the weird looks that people had on their face because they want they didn't want to really be around me. And so my mother, love my mother and my father, my mother. She, um, being a parent, um, being a loving parent, she tried to cultivate. Um, she tried to cultivate my uniqueness, um, and, 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 and she believed that my social skills were going to be developed later on. Um, I wasn't really a big talker when I was younger. I talk a lot now, but I really wasn't a big talker when I was a, when I was a young little boy. Um, just because I was weird, but one thing about my mother, she said, okay, I want you to embrace your uniqueness, and if people don't accept you for your uniqueness, then you just need to go ahead and just find another piece of, I mean, another friend that's going to be accept you, uh, to accept you for who you are, but I had my father, which I love him dearly as well. My father, he really wanted to understand his son, um, and what I mean by that was instead of trying to embrace my uniqueness, he was trying to understand why I was so weird. Um, and, and, and like I said, people are human. Um, he was trying to understand why my son is so weird, why my son don't really talk, why my son really likes to be by himself and don't want to be in an actual crowd. And so, um, though I, I had a normal childhood of laughter and playing, I developed a defense mechanism towards any male figure because I longed for my father to recognize and accept my uniqueness instead of trying to figure it out. In a nutshell, I needed to see God's love through my father. Not saying that my father didn't love me, because he did. But I needed to see God's love through my father. Um, but just like any human being doesn't understand something, we tend to push it in the back of our mind. So my father, he was just being human. He didn't understand. And he was trying to understand me. He was trying to understand why his son was so different. 
and, and instead of saying, okay, I'm going to embrace you, I'm going to say, okay, you may be different, you may have different perspectives, you may be kind of weird, but but I'm gonna still I'm gonna still embrace that because maybe one day it's going to help you in the end. But he was trying to understand and try to dissect and break it down, and I took it as as a young boy that he wasn't he was pushing me away or trying not to uh, understand who I was, and so. I develop a defense mechanism. Any male, it doesn't matter who the male was, I, I, I tend to not want to be around males just because I knew, I, I, I equated them that they're going to try to dissect me and try to pick my brain instead of trying to be able to understand who I am and, and my uniqueness. And so um, I, I was basically looking for my father's voice to mirror my heavenly father's voice. The idea that I always told to myself is I needed guidance. Now, one thing about me, I might have been a, young, a, a, a loner, and I might have had been unique and different, but one thing that I always knew in my mind is that I needed guidance. I knew that I needed to be able to hear sound wisdom that was coming from, from um, I knew a male's mouth. Not saying to my mother, it wasn't good what she was telling me, but I knew that I needed to hear a male's voice um, to be able to tell me that it's going to be okay and going to, and tell me that I can be able to be pushed and make it in different things of that nature. And so my father tried to understand me. He didn't all, we didn't always have conversations. And so um, I was looking for my father to mirror God. Um, even though I didn't know who God was at that particular time, I just needed some type of guidance, uh, and, I needed, and I needed it quick um, because I, I was very inquisitive at a young age. And so I knew another thing that I knew is, one, I needed guidance, but two, I knew a lot of my family members, um, my uncles, my aunties, grandparents, I knew they went to church. Um, I knew the institution of church. I knew what church was. Um, and I knew that they went to um, church frequently. And so uh, that, that was another thing. I'm like, okay, I need guidance, and I know that my family, they, they, they religiously go to church, but uh, we don't really go to church as, as, as often as they do. And so one day my parents explained to me their absence from church, and, and they basically told me when I was a baby, my mother and my father went to church religiously. And when my mother and my father were younger, they grew up in church, but they started to detest church as they grew older, and they went further. They said, and my parents expressed that there, that there were too many hypocrites that went to church, and that the church had become a way for the pastors to become rich off the people. Um, and so they, they went a little bit further. My, my parents started talking to me about specific instances when they were overlooked in church because they were serving, they were overlooked, and it, and it brought bitterness in their heart or they were treated very horribly in church, and this was one of the main reasons that they did not go to church. And so I wanted to interject, but I knew I was young, and I knew I would have got reprimand for interjecting, so I did not interject, but I, I wanted to interject um, um, and, uh, about something uh, real quick um, because it may help somebody. And I wanted to interject that now, I mean, interject that then, but, I, but I, I'm old enough now that I can interject it now. Um, one thing, that, one thing that came to my mind, even when I was going back into my testimony, is that as believers, we have to endeavor. Um, this is a little side note, commercial break. We have to endeavor to express God's characteristics wherever we go because we are, we are the, sight, salt, excuse me, the salt and the light wherever we go. We have to exercise, and this scripture came to my mind, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, the third through the fourth verse, which states, Our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, 
so that we can comfort um, we can comfort others in trouble. Which means that when we feel that we are becoming a little more snappy for people or developing bitterness, we have to always reevaluate our consumption of God's love that we desire that He desires to give to us every single day, so we won't develop anger and hurt. Let me say that one more one more time. We feel like as individuals that we're becoming more snappy, more angry, more bitter. We have to reevaluate. Our, our consumption or how much we have consumed God's love. That can be in the form of reading your Bible. That can be in the form of worshiping God. That can be in the form of anything that will help us. Um, even even opening up the word of God and being able to just quote scripture to yourself. We have to be able to know how much and, and be able to receive how much God loves us. Because if we don't, then what happens is hurt people hurt people. Um, my father my mother was expressing that because maybe some person that they came in contact with, did not, that their relationship with God may have not been intact at that particular point. So they treated them horribly because they were not in a place with God. Uh, I see this all the time, and, and I even express this to some of the people that, that, that follow us. We have to be individuals that's going to be able to love people in spite of their situations. And we got to first love ourselves, and then, and then also we got to receive I keep saying this. We have to receive the love of God. And I know people say, God loves me, but have you received it? Have you received the, the, the amount of width, the, the breadth, and the height of God's love? Because if you have not, then what's going to happen is it's going to become a cliche. It's going to become an overused word or an idiom that you're used to be able to say, okay, God loves me to be able to get people off your back. But how much do you receive his love on a day-to-day basis? Because it's going to show in your every actions when you find when you when you have consumed the love of God and you have received the love of God when you go through a day you have a little bit more peace even when people do something wrong to you you ain't snapping back on them and telling them all about what they've done you are you you it's easy to be able to and I know this is hard for somebody on this phone to turn the other cheek you're able to do that and that's miraculous I said it when I first came into the knowledge of God God for me to turn the other cheek it, it got to be miraculous because for me, I'm I, 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 I just not going to let nobody run over me. And so uh, when, you, when you consume the love of God and when you consume a, a, a good portion of the love of God and you receive all the, all the love and overwhelming peace that he has for you, then you won't find yourself being snappy. But when you find yourself like that, you must consume more of God. You must consume more of his love. And so let me go back to my testimony. My mother and my father unbeknownst of themselves, began to back away from church because of the people. Therefore, my older sister and I, we didn't go to church because we didn't have transportation to get there. And with the lack of church came the understanding, um, uh, came the, the just understanding God. That's what we did. We understood God. God, My, my mother made us pray um, every single night, you know, for God to be able to cover us and God be able to, you know, keep us and, and God would be able to allow us to wake up the next day. We understood God, but there was not an overwhelming presence of God in our house. I'll say one more time. We understood God. We, we understood that God loved us. We understood that, that, that God is going to protect us and we pray to him, but we did not understand, uh, we did not feel, if I may say that, we, may, we did not feel the presence of God in our house. And because we did not feel the presence of God in our house, well, the understanding of God was good. It was great. It was awesome. 
But it was not enough for us to for us to be able, me and my sister, to be able to know the attributes of God. Sometimes it, it's because God's presence. It's because God's peace and his love is so overwhelming that even though we may not open up and crack it up of a Bible, knows any time, we're still able to say, God, you're just amazing. Because when I wanted to give, when I wanted to give up and give in to, uh, to this temptation or all these things, I just felt your overwhelming presence. The presence makes a difference. And I'll say that again. The presence makes a difference. I felt the overwhelming presence of God, and I knew, God, that everything was going to be okay. And so uh, we did not feel the presence of God in our house. We knew of God, but we didn't feel his presence. We never um, developed a relationship. We, we, we develop routine. We, we develop um, be a good person, um, be, you know, do, do work hard for yourself. And dip, but we did not develop the idea of God will be able to help you and God will be able to, to, to guide you in, in, in everything that you do because we did not go to church. But one thing my mother and my father did, uh, my mother and my father, they, were, they, they used to send me and, uh, and sometimes my sister with my grandparents. Um, they, on both sides, my mother's mother and father and my, and my father's um, mother uh, was able to send us with our grandparents, and, and, and our grandparents took us to church. And so we, we at least had some type of uh, understanding of what the, the institution of church was so we could be able to connect with our mother, what my mother and father was telling me, and also or mother and father was telling me and my, my sister and what um, exactly church it was and different things of that nature. And so uh, even though I went with my grandparents, they took me to church, I still felt a void because my, my mother and my father didn't go with me. Um, I, I felt the void of, of, of that my family was not, did not have togetherness, or we wasn't together because we did not go to church together. I, I knew I went to church. I knew my sister went to church uh, with me sometimes, but uh, we, we didn't go together, and then we didn't go often because they didn't, they didn't often send us to our grandparents' house and, and to be able to go to church as, 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 we, as we, you know, probably desire to in different things of that nature. So um, with that, Void that I felt with the idea of not feeling together, not feeling like my family had the desire to be able to be in church, I started to, unbeknown of myself, I started to develop bitterness, violence, and anger. I started to develop that because I was saying, I was thinking in my mind, here it is, my, my mother, my father is telling me that I need to pray. My father and tell mother is giving me some, some, some nuggets about God, but they don't want to go with me as I'm trying to learn more about God. And so I develop bitterness and I develop violence and I develop, develop anger. And I pulled away, because at first I already was a loner, but I pulled away even the more from everybody, uh, including my parents, because I felt displaced from my parents because I didn't have that much spiritual guidance. I'll say that again. I pulled myself away because I didn't have spiritual guidance. So I pulled myself away from my family. I pulled myself away from friends sometimes. I pulled myself away. And the more I pulled myself away, the more I felt displaced, I mean displaced, and the more I felt anger and bitterness and violence in my life. And so when my mother started to see my, 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 my morale excuse me, change, when she started seeing me um, get even angrier and different things of that nature, and she started noticing it, she, she tried to promote more positivity. She, she, she tried to um, tell me that I need to be the captain of my destiny, and I can be able to control myself, and I can be able to, 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 to have a vision and, and see yourself through and, and be and, and work hard, you know. And, and this because one thing about my parents, they, and, and to this day, they still work hard. They, they, they're still working. 
and they still work hard. And so that, that's what they promoted. Be positive. When you go into your job, they would tell me about being a, uh, being a good worker and being a good uh, a person that provides for your family and everything else. But still, there was no understanding, true depth of developing a relationship with God. And so uh, one, one thing um, that my mother and my father, like I was saying before, they did enforce was the idea of praying every night. And was, that was a must. That was that was a, a, a mandatory, not mandatory. That was a mandate. You had to pray every night, and they would come make sure they came in the room with you, my parents, and they and they prayed with you until we got to a certain age that we could uh, possibly pray uh, on our own. And so then, so one thing about it is, and, and this blessed me because I, I I'm jumping back and forth. When when I came into the knowledge of God later on in my years, because I didn't get saved then, of course, quite naturally, but uh, but when I came into the understanding of God in later years, uh, God began to reveal to me one thing. He said that uh, the reason why he said he placed it on my mother, and my father, and how many people know that you don't have to you don't have to necessarily even know uh, the things of God for God to be able to use somebody. The Bible says that be careful who you who you um who you um you you treat. Or uh, and I'm just paraphrasing because you might be entertaining angels. And so my mother and my father, they made it a mandate, and God said the reason why he placed it on their heart to do so was because it, it, it opened me up to be able to know that, that, that God can protect me, that God, that God can give me peace. And in the midst of um, the, the, the tumultuous things that are going in my life, I can still be able to talk to God, and God is going to be able to listen. And so I said, okay, God, uh, I thank God. And later on in my years, I was thankful. At that time, I wasn't. But, at, but later on in my years, I was thankful that they, 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 they made the mandate for me to be able to pray. And also, God even went further. He said, the reason why I, I let you play by yourself and you, your, your imagination was vivid. He said, because I was opening you up into the spiritual. I was opening you up. Even though your parents did not know, even though your parents did not understand quite naturally exactly what was going on with you before you even became angry and bitter and resentful, I, I, I allowed you to be alone and not because I wanted you just to be by yourself, but I wanted to be able to show you the spiritual. He told me something, and this may blow somebody's mind. He said, but when you were playing with, with, with people that you thought that you made up, he said that I, I was sending my angel that you were playing with. I said, God, that's amazing. I knew nothing about the spiritual, but how many people know that God, even David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. God is a God that it don't matter how and when and where, he is going to be able to, to, to do what he has to do to be able to reveal himself to somebody, and especially children. And I say this to somebody that may be on the phone, your child may be a little different. Um, but that may be because God has made him like that. He's made him unique. He's made her unique. And, and sometimes you've got to be able to allow them to flow in their uniqueness so you can be able to see how God is, wants to use them. Because God wants to use any individual, no matter the young to old, in any capacity, um, at any age, because it's, it's a need, it's an urgency for God to use people in this hour. We know this hour, is, uh, this, this time period is so evil, and that God is raising up a generation. He's raising up some people fast, even children, that can be able to, to feel his presence and know him. And, and if we are individuals as older, we're looking at him saying, man, you're just weird, and you're just different, and 
then we are not going to be able to see the full potential that, that, that comes from this particular child. And so anyway, I, 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 I did, not, did not understand it back then. And so therefore, I just I, I made up and, and, and made up in my mind that, you know, that I was going to be angry and I was going to get back at my mother and my father by just doing whatever I wanted to do because at that point, at that point I felt this place and felt like nobody understood me anyway, so I might as well do whatever I wanted to do. And so the next phase, the first phase I told you was church hurt. Church hurt from my parents, so it made me have it made me be hurtful. It made me be angry. It made me be resentful. It made me be violent. Um, and made me pull away from any male figure or anybody in general just because I I, I was confused at that time. I, I didn't I didn't really understand what was going on and, and how things were happening and different things of that nature. And so I I just said forget it all. I I, I don't care. I don't. It doesn't matter. And, and so even in, in the midst of that. When I turned nine years old, out of my anger, my violence, and my frustration, I began to smoke. I began to smoke cigarettes at the age of nine years old. And somebody may say shocking, and, 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 and it's just it's out of this world that happens. But me being in the profession I am in right now and dealing with kids that are, are alternative um, students, uh, and me teaching at an alternative school, I, don't, I have heard stories, even younger than that. And so I started smoking at nine years old because it was always told to me that it relieved stress. And I was like, shoot, I got a lot of stress right now, so I'm going to go ahead and smoke. So then I started smoking cigarettes from nine to 12 years old. And then how many people know, and some people maybe on the phone may understand this as well, that, that, that even one drug can be a gateway to another drug, and then it'll be a gateway to another drug, then it'll be a gateway to another drug. And I have not known any person um, in my life that just said I can be able to quit on my own. It's the help of God. It's the help of God to do those things, those miraculous things, of being able to even quit uh, 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 nicotine or whatever the drug of choice is. And so I started smoking at nine, and then at 12 years old, I started picking up marijuana. I started doing marijuana, smoking marijuana at 12 years old because I just I felt this place and that and, and the drug the drug of choice marijuana helped me to escape reality. It helped me to escape um, the idea of feeling this place or the idea of feeling like I was alone and I was by myself and I had to fend for myself because nobody just understood me and so I did it heavily. Heavily, even at 12 years old, I did it from heavily from 12 all the way into 14 years old. And so I'm going to entitle this next phase, the crash. Uh, the first phase was the, that I was just talking about was church hurt, but the next phase was called the crash. And so uh, it was from ages 14 to 18. And so I'm going to put the Bible with it, and then I'm going to go into my next part of my testimony. And First Samuel, the third chapter, the fourth through the seventh verse, the Bible says in the fourth, in the fourth verse, it says, uh, Lord, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. So Samuel ran to Eli and said, here I am. The first thing that God began to speak to me about was the Lord's, the Lord's voice which came forth in, in the most holy place, woke Samuel up, and without moving from his place, Samuel didn't move from his place of sleep. He just woke up out of his bed. He did not move his legs and go no further. He just woke up. And when he woke up and stayed in the, in the same place by himself, he answered with readiness and cheerfulness because he believed that Eli, even in his still state, 
called him, and probably this was the first time in a long time that Eli called Samuel's name in a manner of having a personal conversation with him, especially considering how late the night was that Samuel heard the voice. So in layman's terms, Samuel, he woke up with readiness. He woke up, he was prepared. He woke up, he was happy. He woke up because he said, and this is the first time in ever, maybe, that Eli ever called me and not having me doing something. He wanted to have a personal a personal relationship. He wanted to have a personal conversation with me. Yay, I've been waiting for this. So I, it's not that he wanted to call me because he wants me to be able to do this for the house of God or he wants me to do that for them, but he just wants to be able to talk to me. So he got up and he got up with all readiness. He got up and said, okay, uh, well, Samuel, I mean, not saying, but Eli, what, what do you want? Eli, what, what, what's going on? And so um, when Samuel raised up and he said, here I am, I'm ready I'm to do whatever. Um, and, one, and one fact that you had to understand that even that's even a wrench in the, in the actual situation was that Eli was old. So he didn't know. If Samuel's name was being called that high, it may have been that Eli was almost about to leave this earth. So he had to be ready at all times because of Eli's age, because Eli could have kicked the bucket at any time. And so then um, Samuel, once he called out to Eli, and he said, here I am, and, and he did not, and, and nothing was called back to him. Then Samuel ran into Eli's chamber, and he was ready to give immediate assistance um, because Eli's age and, uh, and Samuel's love for Eli. And when Samuel ran into the room and inquired of the voice that sounded like Eli, but it was God, Eli expressed to Samuel that it wasn't his voice and that Eli sent Samuel back into his room by himself. That's a very important factor. He, Samuel... By himself, he heard the voice of God. He thought it was Eli. He screamed by himself. Then when he went and he went to go to see about Eli and wanted to give him immediate assistance, Eli pushed him away and be able to see him right by in the same place, in the same position that he was before, by himself. Uh, he, all he wanted to do was be able to uh, just, just, just to have a conversation. Eli was, could have said, um, I just wanted to tell you that you're doing a good Samuel was too happy because Samuel didn't have any other family. He, he, he knew his mother. Um, he, he, he probably knew his father, but the Bible records that, the Bible records that his mother, uh, which I believe was Hannah, she, she, she gave him up to, to, to Eli. Um, you know, and so therefore, Eli was the, the father figure that he needed. It was the only father figure that he had. So he's like, okay, I, I just want to hear what you got to say. I don't want to just serve. I don't want to just be doing things just because you're telling me to do it, but I want to um, just to just to have a conversation with you, and so uh, the Bible record and in, 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 um, in I believe in, in in the sixth or the seventh verse it says Samuel, uh, and it said that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's the seventh verse. Neither was the word of the, the word of the Lord revealed, and so Eli never took the time. And Eli told Samuel how to serve. Eli told Samuel how to work. Eli told Samuel how to be able to, um, to, 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 to make the house uh, of the Most High God good and, and look good and nice and different things in nature, but he never um, took the time to be able to tell Samuel about the, the in-depth uh, understanding he had of God. Eli never took the time to, to tell him about all his testimony about how God did things in his life. He never took the time to be able to tell Samuel that. He, he told Samuel, I want you to work. He 
told Samuel, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, and I need you to help in this, and I need you to help in that. But he never took the time to be able to, to, to tell Samuel about you just, just, just merely who God was and what God could be able to do. And so, so, so that was very, very important because then Samuel, him sending him back by himself, did not do any good. And because if, if, if God called him again, he still did not know who God was. He, he heard of God. He heard of, uh, of, of several different stories about God because merely if you don't have a relationship with God, it is merely a story. That's why you have your atheist. That's why you have a person who does not believe in God, and they can be able to have that fallacy in their mind for a long time because merely the Bible to them is just a story, a book of stories, and not something to live by. But when they get an, an experience, when you get an experience with God, when you have a relationship with God, then that little fallacy in your mind that you're thinking that that's just stories in a, in a book that somebody reads, it becomes real to you because like, you're saying, God, I feel you, and nobody can explain how I feel you in the way that I do, so I need to go into the Word of God to be able to understand how, why, and, and, and when you did this for me. And so, uh, to, to go back into my testimony, in Angels 14, to 18, I, I, I even became more sneaky. I, came, I became more mischievous as well as I tried drugs, tried other drugs. I, I played sports, but, but I wasn't a sports kind of guy. I'll say that again. I played sports, but I wasn't a sports fanatic. I wasn't a sports kind of guy. Still not a sports kind of guy. I watch it. Um, I look at it, but my mind is so complex in so many other different ways and the dimensions that it really does not excite me as many other men that I know they're shocking for somebody that's on this phone, but I had to put that disclaimer out there. I just was not a sports type of guy, but my father was. My father loved sports. My father is a fanatic still. And so I wanted, I played sports because I wanted to develop that bond with him. I wanted to develop um, that, 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 that relationship with him. I wanted to develop that, 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 um, that him talking to me and we having, even if it's talking about the idea of me playing baseball or um, how many, or that I hit a home run in, 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 in the eighth inning or, or uh, that, I, that, I, uh, that I was playing basketball and they put me in and I shot uh, it's four, uh, four threes uh, um, in the third quarter. Whatever it was, I, I just, just, just love the idea of this ha- us having a conversation, even if it's all about the idea of sports. And so um, we created this bond because my daddy was a sports fanatic, and, um, and my belief was that we were, by playing sports, we were going to remain close. But during the ages of 14 through 18 years old, I totally spiraled out of control because I totally lost my sense of being my unique self, as I appreciated when I was younger. I'll say it again. Even though I was playing sports, I still did not embrace my unique self that I did when I was younger. And then my life started spiraling totally out of control. Um, and I'm going to find more on that. Even though I played sports, even though I was trying to be the perfect son and I was trying to be the best sports fanatic just like my father, I, I, my life was spiraling out of control because inside of me, I, I, still, I, I, I still was that unique young boy um, that, that, that needed to be able to have that approval from my father. But instead of having approval about my uniqueness, I was, uh, had the approval of how good I played in sports. And so that confused me once again. And so I was very, very upset. So when I, as I got more and more upset and more and more um, and just resentful, I, I became more and more angry because I still felt like no one understood me. 
even though I was playing, even though I was doing um, what, what, I, what I knew would bring my family together, and um, and we could just and they could come to my games, and we could and we can just. It still, I, I still felt like I was by myself um, because I wasn't walking in my uniqueness. And so, um, because I felt like I was by myself, I became um, heavily involved more in drugs. And it led me to choose the street life, and I'll say this again, to, to, to choose the street life instead of my family life. It, even though I was playing, I wanted my family to, I wanted them, I, I started to want to reject them again because it was, because I, I, I felt this place. And I just started to become more and more heavily in the street and more and more heavily in the drugs. But the thing about it was I didn't want to, and this is the confusing part, I know it's going to confuse somebody, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to, um, to, to, to disappoint my parents. And so I was living a double life. I, I, I was out there in the streets with my friends. I was out there telling my, my, my folks that I was with my friends, but really and truly we were out there doing some horrible things. We were out there in the streets hard. We was out, I was out there seeing things that I should not have seen um, because I chose that lifestyle. It wasn't that my parents were, were poor. It wasn't that, that my parents were in um, what you call the ghetto. It, my, my, I just chose the streets. Because I, because I felt more at home because I felt like everybody that was out there in the streets was trying to uh, find themselves. And so I went out there in the streets and I started getting heavy and, and, and drugs as well. And so then, uh, and then at the age of 14, I picked up the biggest demon at all. Um, and, and, and I can go ahead and put this claim out there. It's not nothing real, real heavy, um, but it was heavy for me. I started to pick up alcohol. Now, at that time, at, at 12 years old or 14, I was still doing, I still was smoking marijuana, but, but, but I, I started picking up the greatest demon, um, which was alcohol. And that was one of the things that had the biggest stronghold on me than anything else was alcohol. I picked it up at, at 14 years old. And so on occasions, um, this is the reason why on occasions I see my parents drinking. Um, I see my parents drink socially. They weren't drinking, they weren't no drunks, but they were drinking socially, and it seemed like they were having fun, and they were just having a great time with their friends and different things of that nature. And so um, I, I began to, you know, to, to want to have fun just like they did. I wanted to try drinking so I could be able to have fun, and I could escape reality the more. Um, I could escape just like I did with marijuana. I could escape with alcohol, and I could be able to just uh, feel grown and feel like I was important and feel like I was the life of the party. And so um, at, at the age of 14, again, I, I would drink every weekend. So it started at 14, I would drink every weekend. But it, 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 uh, around 17, I started drinking every day. Before um, and during school, I would disguise the alcohol substance in either Coke bottles or water bottles. If it was, if it was white, like a, maybe, a, maybe a gray goose, I would put it in a, in a water bottle because it looked like water. Or if it was some brown, I would put it in a Coke bottle. And I would walk around. I would drink before I went to school, and I would drink while I was in school. Um, I, would, I would be about around the time when it was 6 or 7 period, I would be so, um, so intoxicated that, that I wouldn't even know where I was. I remember some days that I would be in first period, I would be in homeroom, and I would be so going, I would be so intoxicated that I couldn't even write notes. I couldn't even, I didn't even know where I was. I just wanted, uh, I wanted peace, but I was doing it the opposite way. I wanted to escape reality and not have to feel this place, but I was doing it in the opposite way. And so, and so, I never stopped smoking marijuana, as I, just, and I, as I put a couple of minutes ago, as I was drinking, because I wanted to fully, fully be so intoxicated that I could not face reality. Eventually, I stopped playing sports, 
and I became very unproductive. About 17 years old, I just said, forget it. There's no point. There's no point of playing sports. I don't want to do it, and all I want to do is be able to drink and, and, and smoke marijuana. That's all I want to do. Uh, if somebody would have asked me at that time what you want to do in life, I want to drink and smoke marijuana. That's all I want to do. I didn't have any idea, didn't even care anything about the idea of future. And so then uh, one day, uh, some of my friends and us, we, we, I went up there to the house, um, and I began to drink and smoke marijuana like I normally do. But I did not understand at that particular day that, that my friends, um, they, they love to lace uh, their marijuana. For those individuals that's on this phone don't know what lace and marijuana, people put marijuana um, in, 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 the, in the actual thing that you roll up with. They, they, put, they put other substances in it um, that makes the, that intensifies the intoxication of the marijuana. And so this, the, the, my friends thought it was funny, or even they might have done it on an everyday basis. I did not know, but they, they laced the marijuana. And so when they did that, I, 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 we, 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 you know, indulged in drugs, we indulged in it. And then I, my, my friend, he said, okay, I need you to take me somewhere, whatever the case may be. Now, when I was riding down the street, because I can, I'm a little vivid right here. When I was riding down the street, um, I just saw just things are just going. It was just, it was crazy. I can't even describe how, how, how just crazy it was. Um, after um, knowing, uh, not knowing at the time, but the marijuana was laced. Just, I was feeling just, just, just crazy. And so, as I was riding down the street, I heard a voice, and the voice kept telling me, "It said, kill yourself, kill yourself." Kill yourself. They said it three times, and I'm and I'm just trying to figure out what's going. I'm trying to figure out all that. I, I, I'm I'm incoherent of what's going on around me. I'm like, okay, God. I mean, not God, because I didn't know God at the time. Okay, what 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 is really going on? And I and I and and, and that voice just kept just kept in my mind. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. And so as I was riding, I kept driving and different things of that nature. I kept looking at my other friends that were in the car with me, and I'm looking at them, and I wanted to vocalize, but my mouth felt like it was glued shut, and I wanted to vocalize to them that, 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 that I was hearing things, but I knew they were going to laugh at me, so I didn't say anything at all. I just kept driving. And so one, at one time in my, in my ride and us riding around, I, I felt like the car had pushed a little, a little harder to the right. And so when it pushed harder to the right, something within me just moved according to how it was pushed to the right. And so basically what happened was my car, it ran into the curb. And when it ran into the curb, thank the Lord Jesus Christ, it popped the tire. And, I, and, and ironically, I was right in front of my neighborhood. I said, later on in my life, I said, God, you just always was there. You were always there to be able to protect me. So my, my, my car hit the curb, and then I Jumped out the car when I when I looked up and I noticed because I, I at that point I came to two and when I and when I came to myself I looked and when I looked I, I seen my neighborhood was there so I just started running a full sprint I was running so fast and all I could hear behind me was my friends laughing but I was running so fast because I was determined I said I can't live this double life no more I can't live like this anymore so I ran I ran all the way home. So when I ran home, my, my, my older sister, she opened up the door. And when she opened up the door, she, she uttered out of her mouth, you know, a grand, granddaddy, well, my, my mother's father, had just had a stroke. But I was so intoxicated that I didn't even hear that he, that he had a stroke. All I was thinking about is that I need to tell my mother and my father that I am severely intoxicated and that I don't even know where I am right now. And something in my mind is telling me to kill myself. So I ran up the stairs. And when I told my parents, my parents were very, very, very disappointed. It was very disappointed. And, and, and so after that, 
I still, I promised to them, I promised to God to my parents, I said, I'm not going to do marijuana anymore, but I never said that I was not going to drink. And so, um, so after that, the, 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 I start, my mind started going in and out. Um, I don't know what was in the, the marijuana. I don't know what was, what was going on sometimes, sometimes, even after, I, even days, even months after um, I, I, I smoked that marijuana, my, my mind would go in and out. I, I, I would um, sometimes be there, and sometimes I just would drift off, and, 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 and I would think about um, even the what the kill yourself, kill yourself. I just kept hearing it in my head. How many people know? I didn't know this in the beginning, but that was the devil. That was the devil himself. He wanted me to take my own life. And so I just kept going in and out, in and out. In and out, but but the the, the one thing about it is, is that, and and and, it, um, and I thought about it later on as I was even thinking about my testimony. Um, the one thing about it was that even though um, I, I was kept going in and out and and different things about uh, of that nature, um, I started to develop uh, my artistic ability again. I said, okay, God, it reminded me of, uh, of, 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 of um, I'm trying to think of his name right now. Uh, it reminded me of Samson, um, how Samson, how his hair was cut, and he lost all his power, but then the Bible records that his, his hair started to grow back. And anybody that knows about the idea of Samson, Samson was the strongest man because he was a Nazarite, and he had his hair all, his hair was long, and he did not cut his hair, um, and he was sacrificed before God um, to be, to be uh, as an as a, as a actual um, uh, 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 a vessel used by God, and so when when his hair was cut, he lost all his power. But the Bible records that his hair grew back, and when his hair grew back, and he was in the in the midst of the Philistines, and and they when they gouged out his eyes, the Bible records that he got enough strength again to be able to push the the columns that he was tied to down, and and, and it fell down, and it killed more more actual uh, Philistines than he ever did when he had his strength. And so it reminded me of that. I, I, even in the midst of my, of my in and out state, even in the midst of me in and out of reality, um, and one, because maybe I was drinking still, and one, uh, another thing is maybe because that drug just started affecting my, 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 my cognitive. But uh, whatever it was, I started to develop writing poetry to get out uh, what I felt in my heart, to get out what I felt in my mind. And so I started developing poetry, and I started writing often, and I started to even speak often to be able to express myself, to express what was going on with, with me, to express what was happening that I could not put words to. And so, 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 so it, it was kind of like I was getting my voice back. It was kind of like I was getting my voice back, even in the midst of um, me feeling like I'm going crazy, feeling like my mind is being drifted away from me. I, I, I started to write and started to express myself the more. And so then um, uh, I, I, I started, and, and in the summer, um, I began to even write even more poetry um, and, and started to write even more and, and more things that were going on with me and different things of that nature. But the one thing that I always played in my mind, and like I said, uh, from here, as you know, uh, in all of my testimony, there was nothing, nothing at this point talking about God. Because like I said, I was not introduced to him. And so I, 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 some question posed in my mind, and this question is even stayed for me today. Um, I, I, I started to think about what is my purpose? 
Am I living a life of purpose or I'm living a purposeless life? What, what, what is my purpose? Why am I on this earth, God? Why am I doing, uh, what am I doing? Because um, like I said, when I was on the drug and I got so indulged in it that I became unproductive. So I was saying, I, it, it got to be something more of me. It got to be something. And like I said, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know God like that. I didn't know anything but who, but, but just what my mother and my father said, but not knowing him from my own personal way. And so when, when, I, when I started to ask those questions that, of that, um, my mind started reflecting on the voice that I kept hearing when I was heavily intoxicated. I kept hearing the idea of, uh, of that voice of telling me to kill myself. Now, I knew that, you know, and now I know that it wasn't, it wasn't God, it was the devil, but, but every time I was trying to know purpose, it seemed like that voice just kept trying to come my mind, kill yourself, kill yourself, and, and I just kept just saying, okay, I, I need to know purpose. So it was kind of a constant, constant battle between my mind and what I, was, what I, what I wanted to vocalize out of my mind, but what is my purpose? What am I here for? And so then... Um, after that or whatever case may be, I, 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 one day I was I was um, drinking and and I uh, because like I said I didn't stop drinking at that time and so I just oh, I just lifted up my my eyes and I said okay because just something popped in my mind I don't know and, and it was saying um uh, it, it, I just thought of God um the God that my mother and my father was talking about and I said okay I said God if you're real. God, if you're real, like everybody on the on their televangelism screen, and if you're real, then you tell me my purpose. So a couple of days later, a couple of days later, my, my my friend who was who who I've known since I was in kindergarten, my friend, he said, okay, I want you to come with me to Bible study. I said Bible study. Now you know I've been to church from time to time or whatever the case may be, but I'm like Bible study. Like I, that that was something new to me because I ain't never been to no Bible study. Now, I've been to Sunday service, but I've never been to Bible study. So he said, come with me to Bible study. So I went with him to the Bible study, and when I went to the Bible study, I can describe exactly how it was. When I went into the room. I went into the room, and there was a man that was preaching the word of God. He had cracked open the book. The, 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 the Bible was propped on him, on his lap, and he was just reading. And we sat down, um, you know, and I was already determined I wasn't going to hear nothing they had to say. And so um, while he was reading and he was doing the lesson and different things of that nature, I was noticing a man. He was a he was a younger man, kind of middle, middle age, not really young like my age, but he was kind of mid-age, he, um, and he was just – Sitting there, he was just laughing, and he was um, testifying and saying amen to everything that the preacher was saying. Now, when I was noticing him, I wasn't noticing him saying amen. I was noticing the tattoos on his arm and how he was looking at his appearance, and I just kept in my mind. I said, okay, this man saying amen, but it looked like he just came from the prison. Um, it looked like he just came from, and I just could be focused on his, uh, his external appearance. And so he just kept saying amen, and he kept, you know, laughing and, and, and just, you know, just really testifying and really getting excited about the word of God that was coming forth. And so then, I, you know, he kept looking at me, and I kept looking at him because, like I said, I mean, you know, anything would have happened. You know, I already was violent, and I already was angry, so I already knew what I was going to do. But he just kept looking at me, and I kept looking back at him. And so then when um, when it was time for the, the Bible study to be over, he, the, the, the preacher had closed the book, and he said, okay, it's, it's, um, it's word of knowledge time. I said, word of knowledge? I mean, I thought that we already went through the word now. We've been here for a long time. Why, why are we going through words of knowledge? So then at, at that point in time, the man, uh, the preacher, had got, he, he, he got up and he moved, um, and, and him and the other man switched seats, the man that I was seeing with the tattoos on his arm. And so when the man, the man got in the seat, 
um, the other man, so he, he said prophet something. I still don't know his name, but he said prophet something. So me and myself, I don't know about church lingo, and I didn't know what a prophet was. So then he, just, he, he, he goes and he points directly to me, the person that he's been looking at for the whole time, and he starts telling me about how God loves me and God has not left me and that God wants to use me in a mighty and amazing way. And if I, if I only just believe in him and, that, and then I, that I have to be able to walk in my unique self and I got to be able to, and he was just going and spinning out things that I ain't never told nobody. And all I could do was weep a little bit because I said, I, I don't know how this man even knew who I am and what it was. And what I was, and, and what I was, um, and, and, and everything that I was going through. And so he, um, he, he began to talk to me. He began to um, just say all these things about me and different things of that nature. And so, um, I, I, after he talked to me and I, and I, and I weep, I, I left out. And when I left out that particular Bible study, I, 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 I did not take, I did not receive anything. I, I shrugged everything off that he said, and I kept going on and drinking and different things of that nature. But one thing about this, it, it seemed like everything that we, he was saying, everything that he that he was talking about, it kind of, it started to um, push out the the, the 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 actual saying that I kept hearing of kill yourself, kill yourself. I started to hear. Um, some of the words that he was saying, now, I may have just threw it off, and I might have said, I don't care nothing about it, but I just, I, I, it just kept just ringing into my ear. And so then I said, okay, um, it, it was the summer of 2004, and I graduated, and I was about to go into a small college because I didn't have enough of the, uh, the test scores and the, and, and, the, and the test grades to be able to go to a major college that I want to. And I, and, and I kept just hearing the voice. And so um, the next phase that I'm going to go through real briefly is the idea of the voice. Uh, that, that voice that he did, that him talking to me, it just kept ringing in my head. And I said, okay, God, uh, you, what, what exactly, you know, and the, well, I didn't say God, excuse me, but he, it was just the voice. It was the voice. And so um, going back into the word of God, First Samuel, the third chapter, the eighth verse, and through the tenth verse, it says, Eli perceived the Lord had called Samuel. When Samuel came in the third time, Eli perceived that Samuel, that, that Samuel heard from God because Eli hadn't called him the first two times. And so then he said, okay, when, when you hear God again, you say, speak for your servant hears. The, the reason why that jumped out to me was that I did that. Um, Samuel finally received spiritual guidance. And his first task was to accept the call of a servant that Samuel had on his life, that God had for Samuel on his life. And so that summer of 2004, when I graduated and, and I started to hear more, I, I, I was drinking even more. Um, I was drinking even more heavy. And, I, and everything just started being blurred. That summer was really a blur. Um, and even that next school year, because I went to, the, to a small college, and, um, and, but, but one thing I knew, I said, I can't be around these people. I can't, I can't be in the same place because trouble is continuing to find me. Trouble is continuing to just, just call out me. And, 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 and like I said, I kept hearing what the man was saying. I kept hearing the voice. And so one day, and I'm about to be closing, one day I was, I was just, I was um, out with my friends once again, shouldn't have been with them friends anyway. And when I was out with my friends or whatever the case may be, they, um, we were drinking like always. And so then um, someone had called, one of, the, one of my friends' sisters had called and said that some man, some young man had, um, had, had violently beat her up. And so we, uh, we were going out to try to find a man, recognize a man, and, and, and my friends knew to call me because I was very angry and very violent. And so when, I went, when we went out or whatever the case may be, um, my, my other friend, he said, okay, I want you, I'm going to call the young man for him to meet us at a certain restaurant. And, I want, and, and when he gets to that restaurant, we're going to, you know, beat him up badly like he beat up um, my sister. And so he did. And so when he did or whatever the case may be, we, we went by the restaurant and we seen a particular man. A 
know, we were gone. We were very intoxicated. We were very just, just, just all over the place. And so we just immediately jumped out the car, and we started to really, really batter and really, really assault this man. Um, and so when we were assaulting a man or whatever it may be, it seemed like my friend came to his senses and realized it was the wrong person. And so I was just, and my, it looked like my heart dropped. And so when I, so then when we let the, the man go, and he was older, kind of mid, middle aged man, when I, we let the man go, the man looked directly in me in my eye, pointed directly at me and said, I'm going to kill you. If I see you in the street, I'm going to kill you. How many people have a, know that when you're threatened, when you're threatened to be killed, you, it, it does something to you that you like, I got to be able to change my life up. And so then the next day I said, I, I got to go to church. I don't know why that even came into my mind. I said, but I have to ch- go to church. So then when I went to church that next day, I heard a compelling message. And then when it was time for an altar call and that we had to come and then get our life to Christ, that's when I ran full speed to the altar and I gave my life to Christ. Now, the most profound thing about this or whatever case may be, this may shut somebody out. Even after I gave my life to Christ, I felt good. I felt awesome. I felt like I was a new creature, but I still drunk. I know. I, I put that out there. I was still drinking. Um, I, now, the one thing about this, I wasn't drinking as heavy. It, it didn't really uh, feel good at, at, at the moment. Um, um, you know, it, is, it didn't feel like I, it used to feel, but I still was drinking because it was a habit. Um, it, it was a habit, and I, did, and I, and I wanted to break it, but I, I just didn't know it just, just, just how to. So anyway, um, two, two weeks after I gave my life to Christ, I, I, I went down. Um, I was transferring from uh, actual smaller college all the way to a larger institution. And when I went down into the larger, larger institution, um, and like I said, I still was drinking and different, but it wasn't as much as I used to. And so um, I, went, I found a church, which is my base church, my home church, Theater and Worship Center. And when I went to that particular place, I, seen the, I felt the love and overwhelming presence of God. And so I, I, I say that that was my lifeline. I went there and I started to grow. And, but I was still somewhat drinking, but I started to grow. And so one day I just, I just remember what my pastor was telling me. He was saying that you have the power and the ability to be able to, just to, 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 to put things before God and he can be able to break it from you. So I said, okay, I'm not going to leave my room until I pray that God do something for me, that God work some things out, that God break some things off of me, these generational curses off of me. And so I stayed there and I prayed for a long period of time. And when I was praying, I was praying, I felt the overwhelming love of God, and I felt the overwhelming peace of God, and I felt myself kneeling down on my knees, and I just started crying, and, it started, and I started leaking from the face because I just felt God doing something within me, showing me that he loved me and showing me that he cared for me. And instantaneously, when I was kneeling on the ground, I didn't, he- I didn't even hear um, the voice of uh, kill yourself, kill yourself. I started to hear a voice um, that, that was more heavenly than I ever heard in my life. And, it's, and, and that voice told me, I love you. And I've never left you. And I would never forsake you any longer. Be Walk in your uniqueness. It was the same way that the, the actual prophet told me a couple months back, that, 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 or a couple of years or so back, that, it, 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 that, that he, I love you or you're unique. And I said, I know that's not my voice because I don't, I don't normally tell myself this. So I know there has to be a different voice. But this voice is out so heavenly, so positive, and so good. And so I started just to just worship, worship God because I, because not because of what he done, but because I could hear his voice. And so as I come to a close, I wanted to be able to, 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 to help somebody out. 
that it's, that it's all according to, and your breakthrough is all according to his voice, the provision and the instruction that he wants to give you. Sometimes it's not even about what God is going to put in your hand or what he's going to place upon you, but it's the, it's the idea of if I have a word, if I have a promise, if I have a purpose that God is speaking, then that's all I need sometimes. I know the winds may blow. I know that things may occur in your life, but it's about the idea of hearing his voice. I know for me it was the voice. All the things that I've gone through, all of the pain and the suffering and the resentment, God took it away, and, he, and after he took it away, he, he, he gave me his voice. And, 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 from, and, and from that point all the way until now, that is what I rely on. And things may happen in my life, situations may go, but as long as I have his voice, as long as I can hear what the provisions that he has to give me, then I know that if everything is going to be all right. And for some, if some of you all, God is your healer. God is your deliverer. For me, God was my father. He, he, he was, I love my father, and, and after he gave me um, salvation and he, he delivered me and set me free, me and my father have one of the greatest relationships that ever been known. Now, I, I, it, it took a while to be able to just to, to filter out all the resentment that I had, but it was his voice that I kept hearing that, that, that helped me to be able to counsel me through all the things I was going through. It wasn't me going to my pastor and being able to tell him about everything because I didn't want to share everything. Remember, I really did not didn't trust and, believe, and trust male figures, but it was his voice, God's voice, to be able to counsel me. So as I close, I wanted to share that part. I wanted to, to, to express even in my testimony, even through all the things that I've gone through, it was his voice. It was the voice of God. It was the voice that I've been longing for for a long period of time, that even though I was going through and, I, and sometimes I didn't even believe that there was a God, it, 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 he still was there. He, it may not, it may have seemed like he was silent, but he was still looking. He was still wanting to be able to get to me, even if it was through somebody else. And so I'm speaking to a believer or a non-believer. If you look back over your life, there may be some places in your life where God wanted to get your attention through other people because he is not, he desires for none to perish, but all to come to repentance. For every individual to be able to know that he loves us and that he created us and there is none other greater, no other person person, no other drugs that can be able to do it like he can. I never felt high like I did when I felt the presence of God and heard his voice saying, I love you. And that was the greatest type of love I have experienced in my life. And so I pray, and I'm about to pray for every individual that is on here, that you be able to go after his voice. Not just go after his hand, because so many people want to go after God's hand, want God to do this and do that, and God to do, God to be like a slot machine. But God is looking for those who are seeking his voice, seeking the provision, and seeking the instructions from him. And so as I go in prayer, um, I, I, I pray that any individuals on this phone to say, I desire God's voice to be able to ring in my ears so strong, or even, God, you prevail and you be able to, to be able to push me to another level and dimension, or even push me in the right direction so I can be able to know my purpose in life. And so let me go into the throne of grace, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for being who you are. We magnify you for all that you're doing in our lives, God. We give you all praise, glory, and honor. Father, we just ask you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, oh, Father God, we ask, Father God, that you in this season, you in this hour, you may be even on this night, oh, God, you be able to open the ears 
uh, in the heart of your people. God, I'm believing, oh, Father God, that, Lord God, that after this night, oh, God, we're going to hear your voice. We're going to know your provisions. We're going to know your promises and your purpose. We're going to thank you, oh, God, because you're talking to us, oh, Father God, because when the devil tries to pollute, when the devil wants to kill us, when the devil wants us to kill our own self, God, we know that we have a creator that always is looking out for us. The Bible says you sit high and you look down on the low. So, God, we thank you, Lord God, for what you're about to do in our lives. And we thank you, Father God, for what you're about to accomplish in our lives just by being, Father God, who you are in our lives. Oh, Father, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor have entered the heart of men the things you do for those that you love, oh, Father. So we thank you, Lord, right now. Father, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Holy, precious name we pray. Amen. And thank you, Jesus. Now, after this testimony, I just want to just thank, once again, Evangelist Destiny Kills for just allowing me to be able to share. I know rather lengthy, but I wanted to be able to get out all the things and the pain and the, and the things that happened in my life because maybe it will help somebody to be able to seek God's voice. Because uh, all the time, you may not be able to feel his presence, but you can be able to hear his voice. And that is the very thing that's going to be able to keep you and gird you and guide you. So uh, my prayer on tonight is that we continue to walk in God. And those individuals that may not know who God is, that you be able to just ask for purpose. And I get guarantee you that that is the very question that will start moving, um, that, that will allow God to move on your behalf in your life. So I leave that with you. Seek God's voice. Seek God's provision. And I, can, I believe that as you seek his provision, you are going to prevail against any situation that goes in your life. So with that being said, once again, thank you, um, Evangelist Stephanie Kills and the Impact Ministry, uh, Impact Ministry team. Thank every person that's on the phone that stayed with me to be able to hear the actual testimony of myself. And I pray that you have an awesome and wonderful and beautiful night. And so with that being said, Godspeed and have a great night.